So how do people stop being a loser? Calicrities? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's like, I've always thought that's kind of all-inclusive, you know? Like, yeah. uh, Everyone not, knows inherently so what being a loser is in any facet, and no one wants to be one. Yeah, I mean, I think 99% of the time, people know what needs to be done. They just, they're just too lazy to do it, you know? Like, it's pretty simple, right? Uh, so yeah. many of the things, like working out, it's like probably one of the easiest, right? Everyone knows how to do it, right? There's no secret to it. They just refuse to. <laughs> Oh, you'd be surprised, man. A lot of people don't know how to like literally like, how do I pick up a weight and you know, whatever, they've never been exposed to it. Uh, but I guess the, the pr fundamental principle, but even running man, you're like, Oh yeah. How can you stuff up going for a run? But some people don't have the gate fixed. So they end up like, I would not recommend you run because you don't know how to do it. So I think that's an issue that exactly they're going to bust their knee open or whatever it is, if they rush in and start doing squats without doing the proper hip mobility, you know, they're going to overcompensate and fuck that up. So I guess I think being a loser is more, it's a spiritual battle as well, but the discipline, like you said, success, not being a loser, it is relatively simple. There's no trick to it. It's just doing the things each day, which a winner does. Yeah. I mean, and you're, you're right. It really is mentality too. I'm almost all of it can just boil down to just taking personal responsibility. You know, like if you, yeah. if you take personal responsibility for everything, it's nearly impossible to be a loser. It really, it really would be difficult. Yeah, 100%. Because losers blame others. And through that mechanism, if you think your life is because, is the way it is because of external factors, by default, you don't have control over external factors. So you're telling your brain, your subconscious and yourself that, I have no control over my life. And of course, if you don't think you have control, then you're just going to be blown away by circumstances and inevitably be a loser. Exactly. And it just, and even if it's true, right? I mean, there's some things you don't have control over. It's just not a useful ideology, right? Like there's, you don't get anything out of it. It's like, okay, I can't control it. Well, then now what? You're just going to stay in this state you are and that you don't like, yeah. you know, it's just like, it's either you just assume everything is controllable and your responsibility and that you can improve your life or you just stay with it sucking and you can blame however many people you want it's not going to change the fact that your life still sucks you know yeah i mean it's it's a lot of things but the personal responsibility to just look yourself objectively and be like okay uh this area isn't going too well like for instance i'll share an example of mine I have some minor back pain because my hips are too tight because I've been, you know, lifting heavy, not stretching properly, sitting for periods and riding and all the rest of it without adequately stretching as well. Now, I know why it's like that. And I still am personally just finding uh, a bit of difficulty with forcing myself to stretch or whatever. Now, it's a bit of a cope, but I understand why my leg mobility is, it is that way. So rather than having this, like it is this task that I could inevitably complete at some point and fix my problem, but I'm aware of that. So it doesn't cause me the same distress, I think, as someone that if they perceive the problem as, oh, I just have lower back pain. Like everything is in some way, shape or form fixable by you if you put in the work. A hundred percent. I actually had a similar thing happen to me. I had a few knee surgeries. And for a few years, I was like, oh, I'm in a unique situation. They're never going to get better. Like the whole blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, it's just the biggest cope ever. Like, of course it can get better. You know, like yeah. you're not in a special situation. People have come back from not being able to walk before. 
So, I mean, a lot of it is just, just kind of just figuring out being like, hey, I, there's something you could do about it. And if there is, you might as well do it. Yeah. The, the healing one is um, very interesting because I've been reading a bit of Joe Dispenza recently. Uh, and he, you know, he's laid out examples of people who've come back and you know, cured cancers because of the, the manipulation of their emotional state, always living in fear and stress. And then you, you get the emotional highs from those feelings and then you recount or have the memory of what happened, which was a bad thing. You're cementing that mental thought loop. And when you do that, you're basically reliving the experience over and over and over. Uh, and if it was a bad experience, then you're cementing those negative emotions and you know it's, it's a positive or the negative feedback loop. Uh, but what you end up doing is creating a constant state of fear or stress, which is then not allowing your body to heal as it optimally should. No, no body is kind of born into uh, ill health apart from you know the, the, the odd cases, but um, I think I'm leaning more and more towards most if not all bodily conditions that are negative that we view as disease or whatever just being some manifestation of the way that you're living whether that's your lifestyle factors and i'm sure everyone can agree there but also your mental state and how you react to things uh in your life as a whole i i completely agree with that and i think it's it's really hard for people to internalize that because th there's no way to quantify it right no one could say like, oh, you have this many negative thoughts, this affects mm, your body in this yeah. way, right? There's, there's no way to put a number behind it. But anecdotally, I've seen that happen hundreds of times. Yeah. And that's essentially what a hypochondriac is. You know, there's nothing literally wrong with their body, but they think themselves into ill health. If you placebo versus nocebo, uh, it's all very real. And I don't know whether it's like, how, how would you try to, explain to someone like i'm sure you've um you've had this with family members or friends who their default is the negativity and the stress and like if any situation comes up they're always thinking not like on purpose or whatever you know you're not blaming them for it but just the, the way their mind is currently set is that they're always looking for the why it won't work or the um the negativity just instantly before it even exists you know if you're going out to a restaurant they'll be like oh, i don't know if if we'll be able to find a table or not like i said that myself it's just a reaction and i caught myself the other night saying that i was just putting this negative thought out like oh that we weren't going to get a table because it was last minute why like zero point okay maybe but you're going to call up you're going to ask for a table and if it's not there cool you know, it is what it is, but the negative thought, the negative kind of pre-formation that you have in this assumption of a, a situation that doesn't exist yet, a lot of that is, you know, what a lot of people spend their valuable mental time thinking about. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And th those things are, you don't even realize that's kind of occurring. Most of the times, like you're saying, you're like, oh, like I probably yeah. look at a table. It's like, why, why do you have a negative thought to begin with, you know? Um, yeah. But in terms of giving advice in that situation, it's almost it, giving advice is always tricky, right? Because you almost never want to give unsolicited advice. Um, just makes yeah. people hate you usually. Just no matter yeah. no matter how right you are, it just makes people hate you. So if it's like a close friend or family member, usually what I try and do is I'll I'll kind of say something, but like say it like like in a very like more like a passing way, not like a serious way. And then really what you have to do next is you just convince by example. 
So if you go out and have a great night while not being negative, maybe next time they'll kind of internalize what you're saying. And that's obviously not the best example for it. Yeah. But usually the only way to convince people is by example. So it's like example would be like crypto, right? You tell them, they're like, oh, I don't believe in it, blah, blah, blah. You say, hey, you should really invest in this. Then a week later, you're like, hey, I made X amount in this investment. Yeah. They're probably going to invest now, right? Yeah. I mean, so you almost, most people aren't capable of kind of like seeing like an abstract situation. So they almost need to see you do it then like yeah. analyze your action and then be like, oh, he was right. So it's, mm. it's, it's like a very long process for most people that you can't give them an abstract, hey, here's what you should do, because that means nothing to them. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, that probably um, ties in with this thing that I read the other day is that X amount of people, literally you tell them picture an apple in your head. They can't physically form like you think of an apple, yeah. Oh, that's the memory of an apple I've seen in the store. I've eaten them lots of times. I know what an apple looks like. You can rotate it around. They literally don't have that ability. I don't know if it's like a just a matter of you know IQ or just the way that they've been brought up. Like, wh- what do you think that is? And it you know it, it makes sense then that we see a lot of the issues that we see today that where they can't abstractly think about uh, theoretical advice that you would give them. Yeah, they, I mean, I think it's 100% genetic. Um, there's there's not much, if you don't have the horsepower for that, you just don't have the horsepower for that. Yeah. I think it was the, uh, I may be just spouting nonsense right now, but I think I saw something about the army had like done a study on this a while back when it was like politically acceptable to do it. Yeah. Um, and they, they found out like under a certain IQ, you, you almost couldn't recognize hypotheticals, mm, which right. is, is insane. It's insane to think about, but a lot of people don't understand that at all. <laughs> Yeah, like, what if this happened? What do you mean, what if it happened? It didn't happen. <laughs> exactly. That, that's a, that's literally what the conversations look like. It'd be like, hey, but it didn't happen. It's like, yeah, I know, but like, what if? They're like, yeah, yeah but it, it didn't. And that's it's just back and forth. It's like talking to a wall. That's hilarious. So, so what are you, how did you come to be on Twitter? Because uh, I'm interested. You're, you're one of those people that seem to just only have bangers, you know, really unique perspectives about the, about the world, uh, obviously crypto, finance, real estate. Um, I know you have your other page as well, but what? how did that all come about? Was it a, a creative process you kind of focused on? Was it a byproduct of how your kind of life has played out? What do you think of those influences have been to lead to your writing style and all the rest of it? Yeah, I mean, so I think how I first got there, it's so long ago at this point, I think I was reading Wall Street Playboy's blog back in the day and they had a Twitter account. I think I just followed them on Twitter. And this, I don't know, maybe like few, three years ago at this point. Yeah. Um, but I think that's how I initially got on there. Um, and in terms of writing style, I've always had a really direct writing style. I would say I'm, I'm definitely influenced by them as well. I think their writing style is, is great. Um, and I also have a lot of friends now who are like direct response copywriters who have very similar writing styles. So it, it's a mm. few different influences. Overall, I, I kind of always have written like that. And I, I would say I, I tone it back a lot on Twitter. I mean, I just just with so many opinions, you could kind of spout out that just it's not worth it for just in terms <laughs> you of. You got to hit us with those, bro. Banned every day, like it's just like. Look, there's uh, a way of saying it without saying it. Exactly, but at the end of the day, it's like you just you don't want to get have a hundred people in your mentions every day just yapping. And that's, yeah, it's, that's uh, uh, you kind of want to avoid that. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of the things that I would say most of 
people normal people believe but yes you get the initial dopamine of like spreading that opinion but is it conducive to any kind of meaningful discussion and you know manner other than shit talking probably not is it going to incense a lot of people possibly and you know but but i but i so is it worth doing but on the other hand i feel like you have to push the envelope to some degree sometimes otherwise you know how does discourse kind of move you know the overton window uh someone makes a tweet that kind of introduces this unspoken thing into public consciousness in a way, or at least the the Twitter consciousness. And as we know, uh, Twitter is incredibly influential um, with the memes that it propagates, which kind of leak out into the real world. Um, I think there is a balance between saying a safe opinion and also, you know, putting a real, a real banger out there. Yeah, and I, I 100% agree with that. There's a lot, especially with the size of our accounts now at this point, you can kind of definitely introduce an idea of the consciousness, which I think is pretty important if you can do it. And a, a lot of the people who follow us are, are younger guys. So yeah. um, it's great. Like I get so many messages where you're positively influencing them and then you feel great about it. Yeah. So when there's something, when there's like a topic like that, I do try and push it pretty hard. And obviously a lot of it's hyperbole because that's the best way to get a point across. Yeah. Um, so I don't feel bad about doing that at all. Like an example would be something like entrepreneurship. I don't feel bad about pushing that at all because yeah. I, I truly believe it's so important. So there, there are situations like that where you can really positively influence a lot of people and you could do it with just pretty applicable and reasonable um, positions. So I, I heavily agree with the idea that we should push entrepreneurship because ultimately what is entrepreneurship? It's the act of building some profit securing entity that you have control over and that doesn't rely on anyone else to make it run. That's ultimately what it is. Um, obviously you have other people involved in the company or whatever, but you've got the final say, whether it's open, it's closed, uh, what it sells, how it sells, when it sells. And not only is that like, just the most amazing feeling to have as a guy um, where we kind of all strive for independence and, you know, strength being by yourselves, very masculine ideals. You, it, you can't really do that uh, if you are taking orders from someone else or you have to work with someone else to depend on your food getting on the table. You know, at any point, if that's external to yourself, and someone else has control of that. That's a liability, as we have seen. And when the government can say, nah, mate, sorry, uh, virus around, you can't open your sandwich store in the fucking, some random state in Australia. Like, okay, cool. Well, where's my income gonna come from now? So it's, I mean, that um, maybe you opened up your own sandwich store and that's entrepreneurship in one way, but I think what you're saying, or at least what I recommend is utilizing the power of the internet to, Create something for yourself that can, you know, be some expression of your entrepreneurship. What do you think about entrepreneurship for for guys, young guys at the moment? I mean, I, I think, and I've said this for a while. I think the risk rewards skewed a, a while ago in favor of entrepreneurship. Um, I just yes. think with the leverage and scale of the internet, it, it just makes no sense to work for a company unless you're you're not really skilled. To, to be brutally honest, um, yeah. I mean, I I have friends who are bankers who were cleaning up 
and yeah. they spend six months working on NFTs, they quadruple their banking salary. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just anytime there's a skilled guy, I tell them immediately, internet, crypto, go for it. Right? Like even yeah. and I'm a, I'm a real estate guy. You have to recognize when there there's a situation where you need a gun for it. Internet and crypto are both situations you need a gun for it. Um, and I'm buying gun for it. Even the real estate. Sorry. A gun for it. What did you say? gun for it like just just go for it right, right. Um, <laughs> uh, i'm i'm by no means leaving the real estate field not real estate's an incredible field but when you have something like crypto where you can make a million dollars in a weekend like you have to look at that uh, yes same thing with the internet when you can scale out to the entire world with the zero dollar cost you have to look at that i mean you're an idiot for not looking at it and yeah. i i think it's kind of crazy how people always push them into push young talented guys into careers where you just get bossed around for, for pretty much nothing, right? Like this isn't like back in the day yeah. where you'd work really hard and you'd become a partner at a, a great firm by age 30, right? Now yeah. you'd be lucky to be like VP of a small bank by age 30, right? It yeah. just, it doesn't it doesn't really track anymore. It doesn't really make any sense. If you were getting 10, $10 million bonuses like they used to get on Wall Street, then I'd, I'd say go for it. But now you get like 300K and it's not worth it, right? So the, the whole thing doesn't really make sense from a risk reward perspective. And that's not even considering just the other kind of overarching factors of, I, I think, just like blatant government kind of, yeah. I don't even know what to call it, out control um, yeah. along with just corporate control. Um, like I actually left my company right before um, the, the Vax mandates and everything would have gone through, but I, I would put it on the spot, something like that. And it's not even yeah. about the, the Vax itself. It's not about, it's just, they have no right to tell me to do that, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I think any, if you're a red-blooded male with with balls, I don't know how you I don't know how you like sit there for that, you know? Yeah, exactly. What do you think uh, is going to happen in kind of in, in terms of the shift of uh, everything to crypto? Do you think real estate can be impacted by crypto? Yes, I think it's longer out than we think. Like these types of things are really hard to do. I think the future is everything in real estate becomes on chain. So say rents get paid on chain, um, expenses get paid on chain, uh, the sales happen on chain. So I do think that's the future. I think almost every company will be on chain in yeah. the future, but whether that's 20 years from now, 50 years from now, I just don't know. Um, and I, I've heard of so many people who want to profit off it from the real estate angle. And it's just so hard to do because essentially what you'd have to do is create a marketplace. And when you're doing something like that, you just need to, you probably need to raise a couple billion dollars in VC funding and you have to hope your timing is right. And it's just, I prefer running profitable companies, you know? Um, what about OpenSea so for real estate? People could put yeah, their houses I mean, up like NFTs and if you like one, oh, here's the F and then now it's mine, the deed gets transferred to my wallet and then boom, there you go. That would be the idea, yeah. And there are a lot of companies working on similar stuff like that. Um, I just think as of right now, it doesn't really make a ton of sense because Typically, the deals that get put on those platforms, they're kind of self-selected out to be the worst deals because yeah. if you can get funding in another way, you do it the easier way. So like, it's, it's kind of the same problem with every crowdfunding real estate uh, platform is you just get the crappiest deals. Yeah. All right. I think um, anyone has the capacity to learn some sort of skill and sell it on the internet. Like it's not a, I mean, crypto stuff aside where you can bluff your way into a 10 times because you saw a random tweet about it, you know, um, which is like you said, something you have to look at, uh, at least in some form, don't, don't have this pride about like, oh, 
I just shouldn't have to learn about crypto. Like, learn and understand MetaMask, DeFi, uh, Uniswap, you know, all these other little exchanges that are coming up. Airdrop tokens, where you just get free money if you if you get if you hold certain things. Like, that's just it's going to be like another financial literacy literacy skill. Um, and this is. One of those things that you know our kids will probably just have a metamask wallet and they won't have bank accounts uh kind of scenario so i think to be as you know even in the grand scheme of things in terms of the traditional finance system um you're listening to this now you're still early as they say in terms of the amount of capital that's still in the major finance systems now will that all collapse and <laughs> that'll be the catalyst for uh the inevitable shift to crypto i think that's probably what will happen is like when everyone realizes the banks have been landing lending out their money nine times over there is their, their money actually isn't in the banks you know that, that's something very critical that everyone needs to understand like that's a house of cards and then crypto hopefully will be um this less centralized option for everyone but that's beside the point. Anyone can learn a profitable skill. Um, I always like to try and encourage people to go about what they're interested in. But if you don't know what you're interested in, then okay, just get a money-making kind of skill and, and run that until you kind of figure it out. But um, anyone can do it, old, young, all the rest of it. It's, I think people forget too. Everyone's like, oh, like not everyone's cut out for entrepreneurship. What do you think people did before big companies? Everyone worked for themselves. Yeah, yeah it true. I, I don't get it. Everyone thinks like it's like this this thing where no one can do it. It's every single person used to work for themselves and the entire planet until a hundred years ago. You know, and everyone acts like it's this crazy thing to work for yourself. It's not. Everyone can do it. Well, there might have been like, you know, big castles that employed people and, you know, all the rest of it, farmers, uh, but they were just giving food or, instead of money. Even, but, I mean, farmer, yeah, they're working, but they're still running their own. It's it's like entrepreneurship on their own land, you know. Like obviously, they're they're giving the crops to someone, or maybe they're they're uh, maybe some of them are like sharecroppers or whatever. But almost all those people were what we'd consider today, at least some degree, to an entrepreneur. Or like they're not just sitting there taking orders all day. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to bring out one of these, um, one of your tweets, actually. Um, you said that when you're truly talented, you should be ignoring almost all the advice you get. And I think that's great. I think it's, I always say about advice, does the person giving it have the real world results that you want? If yes, then they must understand it to some level. If they've got a really hot girlfriend, if they've got a lot of money, they can tell you about how to get how to get girls or they can tell you how to make money. But if they're fat, then you're not gonna listen to them about working in the gym. And a lot of the advice we get from people, um, I guess as a young guy, you just kind of shrug off a lot of advice that probably was the right thing. So, there's a balance of that. And I feel like in life, you only really learn when you go through it yourself. So to the same point as your tweet, if you're truly talented or even just living your life, just ignore the advice, learn the life lessons anyway, because you might get told something, but it's not gonna sink in until you've gone through that. 
And most people are giving out advice when they have no idea. Yeah, I mean, that that's probably one of the biggest issue is is people who aren't qualified giving advice. But there, there are a ton of other issues now too, I think, um, especially in that most people who are giving advice are, say it's your dad, your uncle, the teacher, whoever it is, right? Who's giving advice. I mean, they're coming from, their success happened 40 years ago at this point, you know? So yeah. they were doing it in a different world. Almost everyone who is successful nowadays would be like, oh, go work on Wall Street or go work in big tech. And that's not the way to do it anymore. So they're, they give you advice for the world that, that happened 40 years ago, not the yeah. world that's happening today. Like no, no, no one you talk to is successful would advise you to go into crypto, right? Who, who would have ever told you that? Yeah. Um, so th there's, there's a lot of kind of things at play and a huge part of it is the, the fact that the world's changing so quickly right now that even things that worked five, 10 years ago aren't even applicable. Um, so most people, even the qualified people really aren't qualified for the new world. Um, so you almost need to find someone who's, who's around your age, who is just really a far ahead of you. And that, that's almost the best person to follow in this situation. Like a mentor? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, mentors are still great once you figure out what exactly you wanna do. So say you mm -hmm. get on a track, like I, I have a mentor for real estate who's, who's incredible. Um, but he wouldn't have helped me get to the point I'm at, as in like making all the decisions that get to that point. He helps me when I have an issue and I'm like, hey, I've, I've reached this point. Um, I'm kind of at like a blockade. What do I do here? That's when yeah. it works, right? Yeah. But he doesn't choose the track for you. That, that's not how mm. it works at all, you know? Do you uh, listen to your intuition when you're kind of figuring out your path? Is it a logical analysis? What is the, how, how have you kind of navigated finding your path? Because that's what a lot of people ask me, right? Is how, how do I listen to my intuition? How do I find what I'm meant to be good at? Yeah, I, I listen to my intuition over every single thing. If yeah. everyone in the world told me I was wrong, my intuition told me to do something, I'd do my intuition. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm really not kidding. It's, it's yeah. You kind of have to have that power of self-belief and just belief in yourself um, that, that you're right. Um, and I, I think, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of even hard to explain, but we always like that. You should have, I, I consider it almost like an internal calculator. And I had a tweet about this the other day, but say like deciding whether something's worth it or not, or like deciding the risk reward on something that's unquantifiable. Like example, the risk reward between entrepreneurship and, um, and staying at a job right now. Like most people haven't realized that the risk reward is switched. They don't understand that at all. Meanwhile, everyone I know with a good internal calculator realized that like five years ago. Yeah. And, and they're already ahead of the curve. But that's like an example where it just, it's kind of intuition, right? There's no, you can sort of quantify, you can like run numbers on it, but at the end of the day, you either, it either feels right or it doesn't. Uh, and I think a lot of people, I mean, they're probably right not to trust their intuition because they're, they're always wrong, you know? But if, if you have a personal track record of always being right, I, I say you trust your intuition over everything. Right, do you think that intuition has the ability to be the wrong choice or is it because people aren't listening to their intuition? So I think this gets very person to person dependent um, in that most people don't have the mental horsepower to have good intuition. So like they'll have good intuition on and maybe like a life or death scenario, but good intuition between choosing to be an entrepreneur or choosing to stay at their job, I don't think they have that. Um, 
And I, I've seen people like kind of try and reason it out. And it just, I, I just don't think they're capable of it. So it's kind of one of those tough scenarios to give advice to because if you're really talented, you shouldn't be listening to my advice anyway. And if you're not, like you shouldn't be listening to your intuition. So it's, it's almost like a lose-lose <laughs> and you kind of have to do it yourself. Right. Yeah, there's like, um, I think a lot of it comes from being healthy and living healthy. Like you, you, you have a skewed sense of self, your brain doesn't work as properly. Uh, so if you're constantly in that state and going out for beers every weekend, I think it's, it gets harder to listen to your intuition or your intuitive voice or sense is not as strong. So it's the same with, you know, meditating, when you meditate, you can control your thoughts better and live a, a more positive life. So there are uh, things you can do if you want to take first steps. But yeah, I don't think that everyone has naturally the same sense of intuition in that way. Or even just like, it's, it's the idea about free will, right? Like, yes, we have free will, I think, to some degree, but we don't, choose the next thoughts that come into our head and if someone else's if the if the drip feed of thoughts that they're getting is different to mine they're going to come to a different conclusion about the world so the result of my life has been through the thoughts that have just popped into my head and to some degree you can kind of choose which ones to follow or not but that analysis and the kind of running dialogue that's kind of processing the world i don't have any choice in that yeah, no, it's it's definitely interesting to think about. Um, I was just thinking actually of a, of a good example of this though. The uh, so if you if you read about mobsters, right, kind of if you track each individual one, and there are a lot of good books on this, um, you can see the ones who had good intuition who didn't just based on. And these are life and death scenarios for them because if you're you're bad intuition, you die, and if you're good intuition, mm -hmm. you become the boss. So you yeah. can kind of track the exact bad move people made and you see how other guys at that same level didn't make that bad move um, or they right. made a better move or you know, whatever it was. Um, but it's it's kind of fascinating to, to read about. One of my favorite things to read about in general um, because you can just see intuition at work. You could see some guys just had it and every decision they made, you're like, that was just the perfect right decision. And other <laughs> guys, like you'd read about it and you're like, this guy's gonna get whacked. And next second it's whacked. <laughs> you know, so it's just yeah, like, yeah. It's, so, it's so funny to think about how like, those little decisions that people make every single day. Some people just make the right ones. Other people just don't. Mm. Tough break. <laughs> uh, can you let me know about positioning because I love this topic as a whole. Uh, I read a book on it recently, but what would, what do you call positioning and what is positioning for you? Yeah. So first off, I want to give a shout out to IPB media on Twitter. He, he's kind of the guy oh, yeah. who introduced me to it. Um, but in general, it's just, it's kind of like how, how you're situated in life and in every aspect. So say like socially, financially, um, whatever it is. Right. And the idea is that things should be coming to you, right? Like you look at someone like Leonardo DiCaprio, right? And girls come to him, right? It's not the other way around. Girls are coming to him. So you know that that type of positioning is possible, right? So if, if you're in a position where that's not happening to you, your positioning isn't right. And obviously there's a lot of other things going for him, but he put himself in that position to begin with. 
right? Yeah. Anyone could have technically done it. Um, so I think the easiest way to, to think about it is look at a person who's really, really doing well and try and reverse engineer that. And the other thing about it too, is once you see someone who's doing really, really well and positioned in a way so that everything comes to them, then you know it's possible, right? Because a lot of people will tell you, oh, like it's not possible to be asked. It's like, well, people are doing it. I mean, not you, but, but other people are doing it. Yeah. Um, so why not you? Yeah, positioning in the sense of literally finding a way to get in a position in life, a place on the chessboard where your next move, you're just going to be able to take a piece and, you know, a business deal comes to you or um, it's an area where there are girls, you know, just being in the place, literally like geographically in the place, but also uh, financially in the place to take advantage of an opportunity that comes to you. Whereas if you didn't have the spare capital, okay, cool. You, you missed that one. You, you missed position there. Um, working out and yeah. gymming is another form of it. Uh, it. It's about getting in the right, because like, you know, the more I learn about life in general, um, if you are in the same sauna as some bankers that mention this insider trading tip and you just happen to be in that high-end health club, boom, you've made some money and I would never inside trade, whatever, act on that information because I don't do anything like that. But theoretically, if you were, theoretically, you're in that position because you went to the high-end health club in a financial district and you spent time there and you had your ears open. You know, that doesn't happen to the person that's not consciously trying to design situations in their life where they are positioned for this easy win. It doesn't have to be hard. Yeah. I mean, one of the best examples of, of positioning uh, I've ever seen kind of is one of my dad's friends. Um, he basically got in, in all the IPOs during the dot-com boom. Oh, and yeah. what would happen is he would, he would get in it. And I don't, I'm not a stock guy, so I don't know if it was like a, he got in pre IPO or whatever it was. But he got in at like the pre-sale pretty much at $20 strike price. And they would obviously underprice all those IPOs. Same day he'd sell it for like 120, make a hundred dollars on X amount of shares. They did it with every single company that went public. Um, and he ended up making like 50 mil over the course of two or three years. And a, a monkey could have done it once he was in the position, you know, like you don't yeah. have to be smart to, to buy yeah. it at 20 and sell it 120 every single day when you know it's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, but it's all about the positioning. He made those contacts, he made those friendships. There was nothing illegal about it, um, but he just he just figured out how to position himself right, and he never worked again. Crazy stuff. How did you kind of develop your mindset with money? Um, you obviously talk about it a lot on Twitter. I think it's one of the biggest kind of limiting beliefs that people hold or keeps people down in life is their relationship to money. And they can either be the chains that shackle you to a certain area of life or what facilitates you being able to do whatever you want, basically, if you have enough of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's like anything else in life, right? The more you need it, the less you're gonna get it. So it's, and obviously abundance mentality has been kind of like, kicked like a dead horse at this point but um mm. that, that's really what it is i mean you just have to you have to kind of just be so unattached to it that you're you're ready to lose it and once you're ready to lose it that's when it starts coming in right like you'll see people 
you'll see people in crypto, right? And crypto is one of those things where so much of it's about how, how big you bet, right? And these people will be like, I'm so confident Ethereum is going to go up. And then you look at what percent they allocated to it in their portfolio and it's 5%. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, that's a huge waste of time. Like the guy who, the guy who put in 50% is going to blow you out of the water, you know? Um, so a lot of it is, is just that, being willing to lose it and being willing to bet big. Um, but a lot of it's something I was just kind of born around, um, to be honest. I grew up in kind of a pretty wealthy neighborhood and everyone around me already had money. So you, you kind of see what's possible. Yeah. Um, and you also start seeing, and I've, I've written some posts about this, but you start seeing what happens when you mess up and you realize like pretty much nothing happens when you mess up. Yeah. Right? Like you can say you failed out of college, like nothing really happens. I'm not telling people to fail out of college or anything, but I mean, I, I had one point where I was getting like a, I forgot, like a two five or something in college, right? And nothing happens. You still got a great job. Like no, there's no consequence for stuff like this. So once you kind of operate with that mentality of that, the, there's really no consequence to a lot of things, you start learning more and more to just kind of focus on, on the big things and the big drivers. And that's most of the time, that's how you start making way more money. Um, and kind of an easy way to reverse engineer this for people who didn't grow up like that is you just start making like small mistakes, right? Like say, say your boss is generally, generally kind of, you always agree with them, right? Because you're afraid to disagree with them because you're afraid you'll lose your job, start just disagreeing with them, right? Like it doesn't, doesn't need to be like antagonistic, but just take the opposite perspective and have a well-reasoned argument, right? And once you start doing that a few times, you realize there's no consequence to disagreeing and it kind of like widens your perspective on everything and you become mm. more and more willing to, okay, maybe I am worthy of this job. Maybe if I lose this job, I'm actually fine, right? Maybe yeah. if I lose this job, I'm, I actually do have the skills to get another job or even make more money by myself. Yeah. But if you're not in that mindset to begin with, you're never gonna do that and you're always gonna be scared of losing that one job that you you have and you're, you're never gonna make a lot of money like that. Yeah, it's if you hold something tightly and you squeeze it to death, it can't blossom, it can't grow, it can't increase. Same money, if you hold too tightly onto it, how is it gonna go away and how is more gonna get in, you know, to your hand if, you're, if your fist is closed? Um, I think it's a similar principle <coughs> with understanding that no one's really thinking of you, you know? We have our direct experience in our life uh, and we are privy to all our embarrassing moments. And because we see all of our embarrassing moments and memories, we can relive them. And it seems like there's a lot of them, you know, you live over the years, you go through some shit that happens. Um, what we don't see is everyone else doing the same thing. And what we don't see or really consider is the amount that people are not thinking about us. All of those embarrassing moments we see as this big deal, people looking, laughing, maybe they saw you trip over and laughed and then were thinking about how they're gonna pay rent next week. You know, it's because once you recognize you're not thinking of most of other, your friends, embarrassing moments that you would have participated. When's the last time you even, you know, worried about someone else was doing to a large degree. When you internalize that, that is so freeing. You know, nothing really matters. It's not the nihilistic view. It's just, oh, if I say something at work, try something at work a bit different, people, they're not going to think I'm stupid. It just, you know, it's a small event. Like you said, there are no real meaningful consequences like life or death to these things. And when you have that 
tolerance of fear than and risk, which is not a risk at all now, like you're saying, the risk profile for going your own way in a, in a lot of things is flipped now. Um, your tolerance of risk and fear is what you need to develop. Otherwise, you can never take those bets. Yeah, you, you have to learn to embrace risk. And I think you put it great. I mean, I think, I don't know if I know anyone who makes a lot of money who wouldn't be okay with just making a fool of themselves in public just because they don't care about what other people think in public. Yeah. You know, like, say you just walk up to someone and say something ridiculous, like everyone I know makes a lot of money is fine with doing that. Yeah. People who are scared don't make a lot of money. And it's just, it's all a correlated mindset. It seems like it's unrelated. But yeah. at the end of the day, you're either scared of life or you're not. Yeah. And it's also the same with <clears throat> people that, you know, it, it, it really does all come down to fear of yourself, of your, the opinion that others have of you, which isn't a real thing anyway. Um, I, I've definitely noticed the same thing with people that it's almost like once you succeed in a realm, you just have that innate confidence that comes with success and you know, oh, I'm doing well at this. I'm, I'm getting bigger in the gym. You no longer have that fear because you've proven to yourself, oh, I've, I've done something. I am, you know, you do need to have the belief in yourself first, but it's a lot easier to believe in yourself and be self-confident if you've actually done shit to back that up. Yeah, it's, it's very, very hard to to have confidence with no results. And I think yeah. that's actually one of the biggest things guys miss when they work at a company is they never really become competent and that, that really destroys their confidence. You know, like if you have someone screaming all day, it's telling you're doing a bad job, it's pretty hard to build up confidence like that. Meanwhile, once you kind of own a project, say even if you're running our business, you own a project and you deliver mm. on it, it's pretty hard not to be confident after that. Yeah. Because you just know you're competent, you know, you, you know what you're worth. And if anyone tries to say you're not worth that, you just t tell them to go pound sand, you know? <laughs> exactly. What do you got on the rest of the day? Rest of the day, I'm actually writing out a, a new email um, on, on Real Estate God, actually, that hopefully it's just taken me so long. I've had like extreme writer's block with it, but hopefully that's pretty good. Um, and then not much else, honestly. I. Uh, have a, have a call actually about a new real estate deal. Um, and then got everything else kind of done in the morning and just blocked out some time tonight to write. And that's kind of it. What about you? Yeah, I'll probably get this up at some point. Um, how do you, how do you, how have you scheduled your work days in terms of entrepreneurship and, and all the rest of it? What, what is you, what have you found to be the most kind of productive split where you work the best? Yeah, I'm, I'm huge on being outside when it's nice out, which is also oh, yeah. why I just love Miami. So yeah. I usually I usually get up at like nine or so. I'll do two hours of work, usually cook cook myself some food at like eleven or so, maybe 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 noon, depending on how much work I have. Um, then I'll just go outside, go to the pool for like an hour or so, um, work out, and then I just come back in, uh, do some work, and that, that that's kind of most of my day. Um, Obviously, it depends, and I'll switch it up on weekends. But thing is, once you become an entrepreneur, every day is kind of like the same. Like a Saturday and Sunday is the same to me as like yeah. a Tuesday at yeah, this point. Yeah, so yeah. it it kind of meshes together a lot. Um, but that, that's generally how I break it up. And if something needs to really be done, then I'll I'll buckle down and grind the entire day. But typically, it doesn't. 
yeah, I love it though. You know, you can kind of have, yes, you have some good work each day, but if the sun's out, I'm going fuck outside and I'll take my laptop uh, and I work outside. You'll lift when you want to, when it's not peak hours, cook good food. And then that's a good day where you've made some progress. You've kept momentum going, but you're also living in a way that's going to be, that's the other, you know, benefit to entrepreneurship, let alone the kind of monetary scaling aspect of it is it enables you to have some freedom. Like I don't see the point in being an entrepreneur if you are inside all day at a desk grinding it out for 18 hours a day like that's not maybe your positioning is off if you have to do that but i think that that's some people's perspective of entrepreneurship and yes there will be periods where you'll have to nut it out and and not be able to chill on the beach um all the time but having that freedom is kind of you can take an initial hit of income, even though it's very quickly more lucrative than most full-time jobs, because you have that freedom to do what you want. Yeah, and a lot of it's just your schedule just kind of getting shifted around, right? Where like when you have a full-time job, you're typically not working Saturdays and Sundays. And I'm I'm almost always working at some point during those days. And that means you can kind of take a chunk out of of the weekdays and and do what you want, which I'm fine with. Right? Like I, I would 10 times rather have some actual normal time during the day. And I, I enjoy my job, but I, I still want to work out every day. I want to go outside every day. Um, yeah. So I, I would way rather just be able to choose the schedule. And I, I think that's probably the biggest benefit. 100%. <clears throat> well, um, why don't you just mention what you're, what you're doing with Real Estate God? Um, and then I will leave you to that beautiful email. It's going to come out. Yeah. Let's hope it's beautiful. Um, so right now I'm kind of working on a few things, right? I'm building out a private equity firm. Um, that's intentionally going to be relatively small because uh, I guess to, to dive in a bit, there, there's a few ways to build out a private equity firm. And one is to take on a lot of investors, raise a lot of money, but then you're almost buying yourself a new job, um, mm. which I didn't want to do. Um, so I kind of declined every offer I had to, to raise a lot of money. They'll typically take a piece of your firm too, which is not what I wanted. Um, so I'm opting for the other route where I'm kind of building it small, um, mostly friends and family money right now. And then hopefully once I reach a point where I have just a lot of capital, uh, just kind of sloshing around, um, then I'll almost phase them out entirely and just, just kind of run my own money. And that's, yeah. that's what I've always really wanted to do. And I think every investor should kind of aspire to that. Um, if you're really good, like why give up the returns to someone else? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's, that's kind of how I'm building it out on the, the real estate side. Um, and then on the online side, I'm kind of doing a few things right now, mainly, and I, I haven't rolled this out to Twitter yet, but um, I'm trying to build an education platform that shows everyone how to build a private equity firm just from the ground up. Um, so I, I reveal everything, like every part of the deal, um, anything you want to hear, uh, the acquisition process, how I analyze deals, how I asset manage deals, just kind of the, the whole thing. Um, except I won't give up my uh, anonymity, so just won't give the location of the deals. But aside from that, I, I give up everything. Yeah. And hopefully what I'm trying to do is just transform education. I think the university system's a total scam. I think the MBA system's a total scam. Um, so this will be extremely low cost, right? It's 25 bucks a month. And mm-hmm. I just show you how to build everything from scratch. 
you can ask, have any questions answered by real private equity um, experts. And it's ideally, I just want to get kind of kind of transform the entire system to the point where no one has to like go into 250k of debt to learn about it. You know, um, I think that's one of the most ridiculous things that we have right now. And I think with the scale of the internet, the beauty of it is that you can have a teacher teach thousands of people at once um, at scale versus having to sit in a classroom with 20 people and shell out 60K to learn it. Yeah. Um, so this, hopefully what it will be is just, and right now it is, is just purely practical learning. Um, so everyone can just hit the ground running at, a, at an incredibly low cost. And uh, I'm pretty excited cool. about it. Oh, that sounds sick. And people can follow that on Real Estate God. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I haven't fully rolled it out to Twitter yet, just to my email list, but I'll, I'll be rolling it out shortly. Cool. Well, thank you, Calicrates. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your wisdom. And I know this podcast is going to get a lot of losers winning in their life. Certainly hope so. It was great talking to you. All right. Catch you, bro. Have a good one. All right. Talk to you later.